going to football. Oh. Yeah. Hanging out right here on StreamYard with my buddy Gio from Clutch underscore Huskers on Twitter, on the old Twitterverse. We're just talking Husker stuff, recording ourselves because, you know, we're a couple of narcissists like that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so baseball team started out pretty rough this year. They're halfway through their season. They've won 15 games. They've lost 23, but at least today it looked like the offense kind of woke up a little, right? Almost put almost put a 20 spot on them. Yeah, after Rutgers put damn near a 20 spot on us about a week and a half ago. That's we true. were at we went to a Rutgers game. We went to uh the first or second. No, it was a Saturday. It was after the after the spring game. Scott and I went over to uh Met, met our second oldest son and TJ over there at the at the uh, at the stadium. Then to watch that second game against Rutgers, which sucked because <laughs> we fought back pretty hard. I think we tied it up on what probably right. wasn't a home run, and then like three batters later, after Rutgers came up to bat, the dude hit a no doubter to go ahead for good. But uh, it was a decent game. But yeah, it's been baseball's been rough to watch, and I thought that was going to be the one men's sport this year that we could say, hey, at least we got a shot at doing something because they're, you know, favored to win the Big Ten again. And I guess technically they could still make the tournament and at least win the tournament, but there's no doggone way in hell they're going to win the uh, Big Ten Conference at this point, the season championship anyway. Right. Heading into the season, I I saw them ranked as high as 20th, but I, I just thought yeah. that was based off the last season's success, but they lost so many players, oh, yeah. especially starting pitching. They lost a few key hitters also. That they didn't have anyone proven. Yeah. So I, I didn't think they'd win the conference. But I saw them rank too high to begin with. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think, you know, you had Cam Chick coming back. You had, you had a couple other guys coming back with some experience in, in, as pitch, in, in pitching. But, you know, you lose, you lose the nucleus of your team like Mojo Haggy, Jackson Hallmark. Basically, your entire outfield is gone. Um, and then you move Cam Chick out there, and, and uh, it's just not its not the same. T- it takes a while to get chemistry, especially when you've basically added, what, seven players this year, and like four of those guys are playing regularly, and they're extremely young. So why we were favored, I, I agree with you. I'm not sure why we were favored to win the Big Ten or even rank to begin with because this was really coming in an inexperienced team. I thought they would, they would hit over the course of the season and struggle early. They have a young team. But mm-hmm. pitching was the reason why I didn't think they would have a great season. They lost their top pitchers, and they lost Schwellenbach, who also played uh, shortstop. Big Ten player of the year. They, lost, yeah. they had one of the best defenses, at least in the infield mm-hmm. last season. And this season, it's just error after error. Just have too many games where they just have multiple errors. Yeah, it's Those been rough. A lot. Starting pitching, though, was, was the biggest issue. They had a transfer McCarville come in. Yeah, uh, they they had a Perry, a lot of improving guys. Yeah, losing a guy like Chant, Chance Roach, I guess was his name. Wasn't he the second or third day starter? He was usually the starter on either Saturday or Sunday. And he was always good for six to seven innings almost yeah. regularly. And he wasn't going to give up more than three or four runs. And with that offense last year, it, it was perfect. But uh, not so much this year, you know. Still too many strikeouts and just. They just can't hit guys on base. They get guys on base, and they just can't get them in. A lot of guys yeah. left on base. Just 
Hitting just hasn't improved throughout the season. That's what surprised me. Pitching has been a little bit better uh, recently. Uh, they're going right. to have a hard time starting pitching next season also. They're going to have to bring in some more transfers. Uh, the young, Some young guys have hit pretty well, but as a whole, it's just, it's just either they're not pitching more or they just can't hit. It's completely just hit or miss. Yeah, yeah, I mean – it's been it's been weird. I've gone to a couple games and they've been fun to be at because we've fought back in every single one of them. Right. Uh, my youngest son and I went to the Michigan game. Uh, what was it the Saturday or the Friday one? I don't remember what it was. It was like the first first or second game of the Big Ten season, and uh, they got out to like Michigan was up six to two, and we fought all the way back to six to six, right. and then you know closing you know last the guys coming out of the bullpen just couldn't couldn't close it down, and of course. You know, there was an error in the outfield on a guy that normally doesn't make a lot of errors in Cam Chick, and that brought in two runs, and that was that. There was no clutch hitting. Got a couple guys on base for the rest of the for the rest of the game, and we just couldn't get it done. Same thing with the Rutgers game we went to after the spring game. You know, we fought back all day, tied up once, then they get went ahead for good, and we had guys on base we could have tied or won the game on a base hit. So I think we had two guys on second and third on a sacrifice. And if you get a base hit out of the infield, likely you score two and you win it uh, on a walk off. But line drive to the <laughs> to the third baseman, I think, is what happened, and that that was that. So, and they've been really struggling ever since. I don't think they've won too many games until yes until today. So, you would think though the Big Ten, being that it's not baseball focused like it is down south in the SEC, like we were talking about before we started recording, and like down to the Pac-12 is really good at baseball. Um, you know, it's it, you would have thought Nebraska would have come into the Big Ten and been favored to win every single year because they were always good in the Big Twelve, but that really hasn't been the case. Um, why we were favored to win it this year, I'll I'll never know, but we were. <laughs> that's a lot of pressure to put on those kids too. All those freshmen coming in, knowing full well they're going to pitch, especially the pitchers. They knew they were going to get the ball. That's a lot of pressure to put on them saying, hey, yeah, you're coming out of high school. And by the way, we're favored to win the Big Ten, so don't screw up. <laughs> yeah, the, the lineup is gaining a lot of experience, but they're just the improvement just isn't there at this point, and that's what's yeah. concerning as far as next season. But oh, still, just, still just, just starting pitching. I, don't, I think McCarville, the transfer, only has one season. And then Perry's out with another injury. Yeah, uh, his career might just be over. Um, yeah, they, they're losing. A, they're losing their top starters. Um, yeah. yeah, it's. I mean, we need to address it next season. That's that's number one starting pitching because their, their starters either go. I've seen, I've seen I've seen them go under two innings. You know, really short outings. Really short outings. Right. Or, uh, they can give them about five, but then they right. just can't. Just can't put it together. Yeah. But yeah. Well, just for those of you who might watch this video later and wonder what in the blazes we're doing, it's just two Husker fans hanging out, talking about Husker stuff. We really have no agenda. We don't have an outline. We don't have a plan. We're just having fun. And it's not just for Gio and I. This is for anybody who wants to jump in at any time, the next time we do one of these, which hopefully we'll do them once a month. So make sure you're sending me an email at genredpod at gmail.com and uh, let me know you want in on the fun on the next Husker Hangout. And I will put your name on a list. And also, since Gio was kind enough to point it out to me, 
it's probably a good idea if you take a look and hang out in some of these spaces out on Twitter that hopefully I will remember to do one or two between now and the next Husker Hangouts. You can kind of get to know me, hang out, and uh, have some fun. So um, we were just talking baseball. I don't know. Is there... I think there are other pressing topics that might have been happening over the last uh, few days in Husker land, right, Gio? Like a couple of defensive linemen. No, sir. No, sir. Especially where the D line (laughs) is concerned, right? (laughs) Yeah, two more uh, defensive line defections. Mm -hmm. And we're just fishing for defensive linemen at this point. I'd be curious to know. What that uh, that foot the football offices were like when they heard that Casey's transferring, and then the next day Tate Wildeman says, "Hey, I'm done playing football," and you've you know you've lost Damian Daniels, obviously, who's probably going to get drafted, or maybe he's an undrafted free agent. I don't know where he stands yet. We got uh, DeAndre Thomas, who basically just quit playing football. Um, Tony Tuioti is up in Oregon. Probably fits him better culturally. Just just think it does. Um, I, don't he'll know, better. I think he'll recruit better there. I think so too, even though, God, he was good at developing defensive linemen, dude. They played so good under him. Or um, Oregon's big on the Polynesian players. Like yeah. Hawaiian Polynesian players are huge on that. Their uniform or their helmet is tailored towards that. Yeah. He'll yeah, you're no right. Problem recruit. He'll have no problem recruiting there. I also think he left with a fresh start. You know, I, we want Frost to do well, but he's going into fifth year and his record is hasn't been hasn't been great. Oregon's starting fresh. So yeah. it, it yeah. could be a job security thing also. You could yeah, I I and I don't blame him for, for taking on a shot up there because as you said, culturally it probably fits him. Um he brought that one Polynesian linebacker that we had recruited, went with him. Uh chances are his son is probably gonna go up there, even though he just was here for a visit. Uh, for the spring game, there's a really good chance his son's going to be playing up there. So, And then um, Riley just joined them. Really? Oh, yeah, Jordan Riley just joined him. You're right. I'd forgotten about that. I'd forgotten about that. He was recruited by Tuyoti, wasn't he? He was, yeah. And also Lanning, their head coach at Oregon, he's a, he's a defensive coach. He was a defensive yeah. coordinator at uh, Georgia. So it, it makes sense for Tuyoti to make the move. Uh, what do you think? That's That's a question I've been wanting to ask somebody. You've got defensive coaches move into teams that have been known for offense, right? Like uh, Venables going to Oklahoma and uh, what Lanning you said is up there in, in Oregon. And they've both been defensive minded at two teams, you know, in Clemson and Georgia that were just freaking unbelievable at defense. Do you think those guys are going to be able to produce the offense that the team's fans are used to watching, or are they just going to get all about throwing the bones, so to speak? Well, another is Dave Aranda at Baylor. Mm-hmm. Baylor was very offensive for, for years. They were good. Yeah, you're right. And look but they were well also they good played. on offense Jesus. still. Their they offense still up. And their yep. defense was great. Yep. Defense was great. Uh, they'll put it together. Recruiting's changed a lot. Uh, the, the defensive coordinators, their backgrounds are good, though. The guys that they're hiring, like, like Aranda was from LSU. Uh, That's right. Landing was from Georgia. Uh, Tucker was from Georgia. Didn't Aranda coach at Wisconsin before he went to LSU? Wasn't he the defensive coordinator at Wisconsin, too, for a time? 
I don't know where he was before LSU, but he they won the championship at LSU. He was yeah, yeah. They are pretty good. Yeah, so they're, he, they're pretty I mean, tight. <laughs> they're coming from you know big businesses, so so to speak. So right. uh, the transition's right. not as bad. Uh, Pry from Penn State, he's at Virginia Tech. So hmm. uh, I would go defensive minded. Uh, I think it's easier today to hire a defensive coach opposed to offensive coach. Uh, this it's just. College football is just more offensive today to begin with. So if you can actually just try on defense, you'll you'll be fine. Uh, you're going to find offense today. It's just it's just a given. With the change in rules, just defenses are just sure. a lot more softer. It's just sure. a lot. Well, they have to be. They have to be. They have to give I mean, that now space. Now you're, you're throwing for so offenses. many yards. Exactly. So now if you can actually have a defensive identity, you'll you'll be fine. I mean, you have to figure out the. Uh, offensive staff though so it's a little mm-hmm. different i think today head coaches uh, especially the defensive background they give their offensive assistants free reigns as opposed to before where they were just more entrenched in what they were doing so right. it's a little easier case in point would be nick saban right being a defensive coordinator in the nfl for many years and in college and then he gets to Michigan State, and they were known for defense, even though Nebraska kicked the living piss out of them two years in a row back in the mid-90s. Right. God, I miss those days. Um, but he was pretty much a defensive-minded coach, played ball control offense at, at Alabama, his first few national championships. And then when dudes like Dabo came along that were still playing killer defense but was also running a high-octane offense, and he got beat in the national championship game with that, he said, okay, now I've got to start transitioning to Still primo on the offensive line and defensive line. That's the key. He's absolutely always got, if not the best, one of the best offensive and defensive lines in college football. And it shows, right? So, and that's how Georgia got good. Georgia got Kirby smart. He understood what worked at Alabama and he implemented it at Georgia. And, uh, you know, you get a few killer players at key positions too to go along with how good that offensive and defensive line is. And yeah, you can win some, win yourself some championships. That's what made Nebraska so great in the nineties. They always had a good offensive line. They always could move right. people. It was the defensive line that needed to do something different than what they did to win the big eight for so many years, get to a bowl game and then get their doors blown off. So um, once we got those difference makers in the middle and the Peter brothers and guys like Wistrom and Tomich and well, Dwayne Harris and, and uh, Dante Jones the year before in 94, when they won it all. Um, and Trev Alberts, of course, being kind of the first of those guys that moved from a outside line, stand up linebacker to a hand in the dirt defensive end. That's when Nebraska got really good. And then we got stupid. We decided to share our strength and conditioning secrets with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden everybody started catching up. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you if you don't have the line of scrimmage figured out, uh, you're going to be in trouble, especially in the Big Ten. And, and like you were saying before we started recording, biggest worry you had going into and coming out of recruiting season was defensive line. Um, for me, it was probably defensive line and offensive line. And, wow, after the spring game, after watching how easy it was for Tanner and Nelson and uh, what was the other defensive lineman or defensive end? Was it Butler? Jamari Butler were able to just blow by those two guys, not named Corcoran and uh, Prohaska. It just scares me for depth on offensive line too. Well, they have numbers. That's, that's the issue. But I, I said it 
during that episode that it's more it's not they're not proven it's more uh quantity over quality at this point as far as big 10 offensive right. linemen so right. uh but the issue is they, they just they have numbers they have too many guys they can't theoretically continue recruiting too many offensive linemen they could have added a center but they just they have guys they just want us to move around see if the new coach can change things at least for this season my my concern was more with the defensive line because they didn't have numbers at that at that point, the yeah. time they were recorded, they they're thin. They were thin before before uh, Rogers left, so they just had need to add more guys who can play now, not long term projects. <clears throat> and that was yeah. my concern. You know, all these transfers talking about you know Rass is going transfer heavy. The recruiting uh, rankings weren't as as high as they used to be, but as you see the transfers that came in, the focus was just too much on wide receivers and secondary. It was just excess. We needed at least two defensive linemen who could play immediately. They didn't have to start. They just had to just be guys who were just capable of playing now. And just, just share some snaps. Sure. Abs- absolutely. I completely agree. I think um they caught they got caught a little bit. I mean they they I think this has kind of been the frost MO, right? I mean it goes heavy on goes heavy on skill position one year and yep. then the next year he goes heavy on the front seven and the front five on offense and then then he goes heavy on and, and it's like it seems like there's not been much of a balanced approach um i don't think that's how you can build a team today with the transfer portal no. it is with free agency i think every cycle you need to have some some defensive linemen you, you can never go wrong with more defensive linemen and uh o-linemen as well but he, he just never have too heavy meetings. in the secondary just way too heavy yeah, you can never have too many of dudes in the trenches. No doubt about that. Um, especially guys that can really play and and because man, if we don't get a couple of big dudes at, like Ty Robinson size that are capable of eating up snaps and reps, uh, Ty is going to get his butt kicked. Right. I mean, I mean Colton Feast is going to give you only so much. Um, who's yeah, the other man. kid? Jalen Weaver is only going to give you so much. Yeah, and Hutmacher is more of a defensive end type. He's more of a I mean, he's big. See, I would have picked. It, it, that's the thing. <laughs> Our next episode of the uh, of the Big Red Round Table, when uh, my buddy from Alabama is going to be on, we're going to actually pick our black shirts who we'd like to see be the starters on defense. And I was like, "What are we going to do for defensive line? Right? I mean, are we going right. to come out in four man front this year? Or are we going to come out mostly in a three man? I think you're probably going to see more of an even front." this year than we have. And right off the top, my guess was, okay, so that's Ty Robinson at one defensive tackle, Casey Rogers at the other when he's healthy. And then you got Canner and Tanner and Nelson coming off the edge. Well, now what without Casey Rogers, does that mean Huttmacher's got to step up in that spot? And is he going to be capable of doing that? We know what he can do in the weight room. It was like Dawson said, yeah, he can do it all in the weight room. Now he's got to figure out how to transfer that brute strength into taking the dude lining up across from him and making sure he doesn't want to play four quarters of football. And so far he's not been on the field long enough or often enough to do that. Right. Right. Well, they're trying to add a defensive lineman from Texas tech. I saw he had, he played about 22 or 23 games. Uh, so he can make an immediate impact and they're trying defensive to add tackle. He's a defensive tackle. Yeah. He looked like he was about like okay. two, 290. That'll work. So, Power five That's what they needed to do from the start. Just, just add yeah. guys like that. Yeah, they didn't need Mathis. big names. They're trying to add Mathis from TCU. He's obviously a lot harder to sign. Uh, but 
you know, the Texas Tech just just <laughs> guys just power five experience is all they need with the right size. But what what do you think about the reason why he left? Do you think it's do you think it's more of because of the relaxed rules and free agency today? With the portal and all these these offers these guys are getting. You see Mathis is apparently already receiving a I think Simple posted a six figure deal if he signs in Nebraska. It's already on the table. Yeah. Uh, do you think that's the reason why? Because I, I don't think it's an internal issue. I think it's more so as far as Rogers. You talking about Rogers? Rogers leaving. Because he was going to start. He has two more years. He was going to start for two straight years. I don't know. Um, the other question I have is: is if Tuioti doesn't bolt for Oregon, is Rogers still here? Is that why one of the reasons why Rogers went left too? Because I think he came in at the time that Tuioti did, and maybe Rogers just doesn't respond real well to to Mike Dawson's style of coaching. But you know, he hasn't really been coached by Dawson much because he's been injured, right? Since 280 left, he's basically been injured. So I'm not sure what the answer to that question is as far as what's going on with Rodgers, except for who knows. With the transfer portal out there and with the supposed non-tampering that goes on with these guys that that are playing at certain schools, you have to know there's been people out there going, dude, we've seen what you can do. Here's some cash we've got set aside with our booster buddies, and if you want it, come get it. Um, it, it, that could be what's going on. Um, obviously, that's kind of what's going on with O'Shawn Mathis. I'm pretty sure TCU <laughs> doesn't have a whole lot of folks around there that's going to pony up Texas type type money, much less Nebraska type money. Um, and I think if if there's a, a reason O'Shawn Mathis does not come here and he goes to Texas, it's probably going to be because a Gary Patterson is a defensive analyst at Texas. <laughs> analyst my ass we know he's out there coaching um <clears throat> or because the nil money that he can get from texas is going to be much higher than what he's going to get at nebraska which technically that should be true but casey thompson said it hey if you're a starter here you can make six figures i wouldn't be surprised if he's got a high six-figure deal sitting on the table right now all he's got to do is commit to nebraska um and i have a feeling Maybe, just maybe there's a low six-figure deal out there for Casey Rogers that was better than whatever deal he hadn't quite nailed down here yet. I don't know. I just don't know. My my thought process, though, is, uh, I don't know, it's a little different. More, uh, I guess it's more so just the, the rules, and I, I see all the huge offers for yeah. uh, for players, for random teams. And the poaching, but I mm-hmm. I think it's more so it's going to be a common thing. Like I, I could see starters leaving in the future, just in general. Uh, it won't just be a backup, a depth issue, because if you if you're an offensive lineman or a quarterback or a defensive lineman, I mean, how, how, there's a surplus of teams who, who can use you now. You know, as soon as right. Rogers declared that he was entering the transfer portal, he already posted. USC offered him, Washington offered him, Arkansas offered him. There's yeah. who who wouldn't need a, a defensive tackle who can play right now. I mean, it's just the options sure. are there, the money's there. So I, I think it's going to just be a, the start of what's to come as as the you know new rules are implemented. 
and uh, NIL progresses. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at us. I mean, look, look how many Nebraska needs defensive. They needed. They added two quarterbacks with Power Five experience. They added. They need. Yeah. They're going to add two to three defensive linemen. The offers are going to be there. You know, I, I don't know what he was in, in a way making at Nebraska, but if you see the the amount of money that they're offering Mathis to sign, you know, you never know. Rogers could just said, "As test the waters." Let's see what I can get. You know, look what math sure. is being offered. And that's just how it's going to be. I mean, it's just the dynamic of uh, NIL is just, it's evolving. Yep. No doubt about it. Nebraska has been kind of leading the way for a long time, knowing it was coming with, you know, open doors uh, going into business, what, six, seven years ago with Blake, uh, whatever right. his name was, who played on the defense back in 07. Um those guys, him and Adi Kanalik and other former Huskers are involved with that company, seeing the handwriting on the wall and making sure that something was in place where Nebraska could get get ahead of this. And hopefully, more than anything, not just drawing in dudes from the transfer portal or, or good high school talent, but to keep some guys in-house that they already got, right? Yeah. Like a Casey Rogers. It would have been really nice to know if there was something – that wasn't happening for him in the NLL side that caused him to leave. But, you know, being the old school guy that I am, you know, been watching college football since I was 13 years old, been a Husker fan since I was 16. Uh, I miss the days when dudes showed up because they wanted to play for, well, the likeness that was on the side of their helmet or on the front of their Jersey, as opposed to the name on the back. And I have a feeling it's going to get to the point where, NIL and transfer portal are mostly going to benefit the teams that already go to the playoff anyway. So what's next? An expanded playoff probably after 2025, which will probably lead to a super league, which if Nebraska cannot figure out how to start getting to bowl games every year over the next few years, Nebraska might be on the outside looking in at everybody in the super league, you know, because I think that's kind of the next progression of where this is going. A 64 team super league, and a 32-team playoff at the end of the year because, shit, why not be like the NBA, right, or the NFL and uh, maximize profits, which I don't know. I love the idea of capitalism. I'm a capitalist to the core, but at the same time, there's something to be said for loyalty. There's something to be said for honoring a commitment that you made on both sides, from the side of the coach and the side of the player. And I fear NIL and Transfer Portal is ultimately going to I don't know. Take away the charm, the beauty that was college football, um, the pageantry, all that fun stuff. But I don't know. It's a brave new world, I guess. Yeah, I saw a simple post. Uh, he posted it. If you coach, if you coach your uh, your players uh, hard or a certain way, they're aching to leave. <laughs> so it's like you're just catering to these guys throughout the year. It's just a lot different. Uh, but but you know what you mentioned. One thing that stood out is, is is Dawson. I don't Dawson. He's a lot of experience. He's coached numerous positions. I don't think he fits today's recruiting. Today's like the dynamic of nil player movement, internal player movement. You know, I think Frost sooner or later will have to hire. A defensive line coach who can recruit, who wants to recruit. It's more like it seems like it's more recruiting now than coaching. Yeah. So 
Dawson is not really much of a recruiter, recruiter. And you just got to evolve with the times. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to be you've got to be a good rec- and you've got to be damn good at recruiting after they're here now with the transfer portal, right? Right. I mean, it used to be you knew you had a guy for at least two or three years because they back in the day right. you had a freshman football team. You didn't have redshirt freshmen or true freshmen that played at all. So uh, you know, now you've got to promise playing time to these young kids coming in. You've got to promise playing time to transfer portal dudes coming in and then you get to look at the roster you already have and say hey please stay even though we're bringing this guy in because we think he can play better than you it's a freaking pain in the ass to try to retain players and like you mentioned earlier properly maintain a roster you know you've got dudes leaving at key positions that uh you know you hadn't really gone into the transfer portal for like defensive line, for example, or, you know, yeah, we got a couple of offensive linemen, but uh, God, we could have used a plugger in the middle. Right. So, uh, I mean, I feel like we're going around and around about the same stuff, but I think it all figures into the big picture, which is the big picture is completely out of focus now with the, with the advent of the transfer portal, with the advent of NIL, Nothing is in focus. You don't know if a kid can sit there and swear up and down that he wants to play for your school, but you don't know that for sure until he gets here, you know, and then you don't know if a guy's going to be uber talented like a Xavier Betts and you think you're bringing in a good one who can, you can really teach how to love football and how to play hard. Cause Hey, remember Xavier was the guy that got here without having to fully qualify because it was COVID year. So he didn't have to, I can't remember what it was, a pass, a SAT or ACT with a certain school to get into the Big Ten schools. They kind of waived that because of COVID so that you could fill a roster. <clears throat> Excuse me. But uh, yeah, that was, but they, you know, a kid can sit right across from me and look you in the eye and tell you everything you want to hear. And uh, then two years later, he's like, nah, I don't really want to play anymore. And then you're stuck. Granted, Nebraska's got a got a uh, embarrassment of riches at the wide receiver spot, right? <laughs> they got what? Still got 14, 15 scholarship dudes at wide receiver. That's what that's what I'm saying. So when it came to running backs and wide receivers, it's just there's, there's excess. It's just too many. Yeah. There's too many. You need to manage the roster better than that. You know, from a fan standpoint, it's easy to say, okay, well, some guys aren't gonna make it and they'll just not be on the team. That's fine. But you need those numbers in other positions. Right. And, that, and that's the issue right now with D-line. We're lucky we our offensive linemen haven't left. They're highly recruited and uh, hasn't worked out, but yet not many have left. We lost a few, but we still have numbers. I just think recruiting, whether it's Scott Frost, the next coach, I just think you need to adapt to how, how things are, are, are moving. I don't think you can – the days of you – plugging a certain position or two heavily in one class, I think that that needs to end. You can't just say, okay, this class, we're going to have six offensive linemen, and then we're good there for the next two or three years. Those days are are done. You cannot recruit like that anymore. You need to no, just not with spread the it around position-wise. For sure. In so, each class. Let me ask you this question, since you seem to have some pretty good insight into things. Do you think, once Corcoran 
Prohaska come back, and the fall kind of shakes out, and we look like we've got our five dudes. And if Ben Hart isn't one of those five dudes that run out there to start in Dublin, do you think Ben Hart's in the portal before it's all said and done? I do. I think Ben Hart's gone if he's not going to start or play much this year. Well, well, Teddy, he, when will he return? It seems like he won't be ready for the start of the season due to his injury. Well, yeah, I, my understanding is he's supposed to be back by fall. Um, but how good is he going to be? Because that was a pretty serious ACL tear. Yeah, that, that's and, my issue. Yeah, he might not be ready for the first three weeks. So, you know, Ben Hart might be needed, but good right. God. So that's that's my answer. So, you know, he, he just never – and we don't have a center yet. We don't have a proven center yet. So there's there's options. So Yeah, I wonder if they're going to hit the portal for a guy that's actually going to be – that's been a center or if they're going to ride with Hicks. And I thought Hicks was pretty good. But um, – and I don't think my, we're going to be snapping from the shotgun near as much as we did in the spring game. We did a little bit under center but I don't think we're going to be going shotgun near as much as we did in the spring game, but that's just me. Yeah. And that, that's my issue with the class. They sign, you know, it's the same thing. It's a, you, you shouldn't get to this point. They should have signed the center. You know, it'd have to be a big name should center. It, they should have signed one, you know, it just, yeah. it could have been a, a power, well, a preferred walk on just yeah. bring a guy who's played center uh, in and they didn't go after that. They just, they went after all these wide receivers and, you know, they address special teams. Well, like you said, they've got plenty of offensive linemen on the roster, right? And they kind of a their philosophy since Frost has been here is find the five best dudes and plug them in in the best spots that they can play. So I don't think they really saw the need to go after a dude that specifically specialized in center. I thought they could, I figured they figured they could just plug anybody in have. anywhere. <laughs> I would have. Yeah. To I me, that makes sense. Because to me, <laughs> I've never been, even though Fisher seems to make it work in the DB room, I've never been a fan of jack of all trades uh, coaching, you know, because if you're the jack of all trades, if you can play any position on the line, uh, that means you're not good at any one of the five of them. You know what I mean? You're not an expert at at one of those five spots. Prohaska, as a true freshman, sure as hell looked like he knew exactly what he was doing at left tackle because that's the only thing he's played since he's been here, best I can tell. So I wish they would have gone after a center for sure. I'm with you on that, but I'm also not afraid to see a dude like Hicks and see what he can do, especially since I don't think we're going to be running so much RPO. Um, Not going to be running near as much shotgun. I think you're going to see a lot more play action game, something that gives him an opportunity to move forward when he, when he snaps the ball, as opposed to taking, taking a step to the side. Like it seemed like our offensive line was doing under Austin. Um, I would have liked anyway. to see a tight end added from the portal. This offense wow. could use an experienced tight end. God, we had plenty of depth before everybody went down in the spring, right. though. Did we really need somebody else? I mean, Austin leaving early. Yeah, I get it. Uh, but Bedoni you know, probably won't play at all. Bedoni is not going to play at all this year, I don't think. Because even though they haven't disclosed the severity or what the type of injury is, I don't think you're going to see him play. But... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. What's the answer? I think they're going into the portal for a tight end now. Or maybe they're putting that on hold going, well, screw it. Travis is going to be back. What we need is like three defensive linemen tomorrow. And maybe they're going to take that one tight end spot that maybe they thought they needed to go after and say, nope. 
we we need somebody in the middle that can at least plug a hole five snaps a game just to give Robinson and Hutmacher a blow, you know? So anyway, anything else on football that's on your mind? Yeah, the secondary. How do you think the secondary will shape up? Because we're replacing, we lost about five secondary players, and they brought in about equal amount. Uh, Do you see anything in the spring game, or what do you think will win it? Um, well, when they were playing two hand touch, (laughs) and uh, Anthony Grant broke loose on that sixty yard run because basically the entire defense gave up because he got touched behind the line of scrimmage and they didn't blow the whistle. <laughs> right. And, uh, oh, and uh, Tommy Hill was doing all he could do to catch him. I'm like, okay, Tommy's not slow. That means Anthony's damn fast. Um, I saw, best as I could tell, based on my crappy eyesight, I couldn't tell who was who. I had no idea who was making plays until they announced it uh, because I couldn't read numbers on jerseys or anything. So thank God that gets fixed on Wednesday. Um, But my guess is Omar Brown's been hurt. I figured he was kind of a shoe in to really make a big impact at corner and maybe he still will. But based on what I saw, it's going to be Newsom at one corner. You're probably going to see Tommy Hill get pushed a little in fall camp, but I think he might've locked down that other corner spot. And then it's going to be between farmer, uh, Buford and who else is at safety? Deshaun Singleton. I think those three guys are going to be Singleton's fighting. Holy Gates is another. Holy Gates. Dude, that oh. dude likes to hit people. Holy cow. For a little I'm skinny just surprised kid. He he says hit people. Yeah. I thought yeah, it would well, more of an impact by now. Well, when you, you, you got to figure two, three dudes came back last year that right. they probably didn't expect to come back last year and play. So right. he probably, I think Gates would have played a lot last year if he hadn't, if Deontay and, and uh, Markel didn't come back, but that would be my guess. I don't want to give away necessarily my picks for the black shirts for our next live stream in May. <clears throat> so that's what we're going to be doing is picking our, our black shirts for, for 2022 and dang it, it sure changed now without Casey Rogers in the mix. And who knows who else is not going to actually be on the roster by the time fall camp arrives. But um, I don't know, man. I I know we've got a lot of talent in the room. I'm kind of surprised they went as deep into the transfer portal and Juco ranks as they did to bring dudes in. I thought, shoot, do they not have confidence in guys like, Pola Gates and guys like Farmer and others, or is it just we just want to bring some really good dudes in here so that there's always constant, really deep, heavy duty competition? And to me, that tends to be the way I read it. Um, I think you're probably going to end up with eight guys that could probably start on most Big Ten teams that'll be in our two deep. That's that's at least my read because it's kind of been Travis Fisher's mo develop students really, really well. And just about anybody that rolls out there is going to do a good job. So. Did you see anything you? in Grant? Did you see anything out of Grant that would lead you believe that he, he will start or at least share the carries? I think right now at the top of the chart, you're looking at one, a one B one C and that's Grant, uh, Ramir Johnson and 
and Jack as yet. So, so long as Jack as yet stays the hell out of raising canes between now and fall camp. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really hard to do. Cause that's one of my favorite things on the planet. You know, I've earned this. Um, but <clears throat> I saw something out of him that we haven't seen in a while. Uh, some shiftiness. He's got that ability to jump cut to the right, lazy leg you, whatever he needs to do to get a half a step on you. And then once he gets around the corner, right? Who, buddy, that boy's got some. Ex- his first two steps, he's at full speed within two steps. So, um, yeah. I, I was think impressed probably, by him. I, was a, I think he runs party. out as number one. And I think between Ramir and Yant, are going to be the two guys that are competing for the next amount of snaps. And yeah, it would be a great change up because he's that between the tackle guy that nobody wants to deal with in about mid third quarter on. So right. I was impressed by him. He looks like he, he looks like a power five running back. He looks, the instincts were there. He, he looks like he can, he can, he's ready to play right now. So yep, I liked what right. I saw. And uh, as far as from the Juco, the top Juco running back, uh, the pr- previous two mills and, uh, and bell, Turned out to be effective players. Bill elsewhere, but he's still a good player. That's fine. Yeah, he wasn't going to work in the Big Ten, but yeah, yeah, Mills was effective when he was healthy for sure. Uh, no doubt about it, and especially against Wisconsin. Why I the think hell Grant is just when add another dimension. He seemed very physical too. He seemed like he just wanted contact. So sure, I, I sure. like I like what I saw. So, and we still haven't seen AJ Allen play. No, uh, so no. And I find we really hard didn't to leave see, We didn't see much from the wide receivers either. You had a few decent plays by Kamadi Grimes and by some dudes that are going to be in a backup role, but we really didn't see, and I don't think they wanted to show anything. I think it was uh, just get out of the deal healthy, keep right. Casey healthy, keep Purdy healthy, keep Logan healthy, though I don't see Logan being anything better than third string. I think Purdy showed enough after only being able to practice a week in, in – spring before the spring game that he's got a very live arm um, accurate to that pass. He threw to AJ Rollins was absolutely picture perfect. Nobody was getting that ball, but Rollins, nobody. And I don't recall seeing Martinez throw many passes like that, not to disparage a kid who's gone, but uh, there's a reason why we didn't throw too many passes to tight ends down in the, uh, down in the red zone. I don't know if Martinez was capable of it, but uh just didn't have the consistent accuracy for it. Yeah. He didn't have the confidence. He, he preferred shorter throws. He also yeah. didn't have the old shorter flow, throws, or he, or he loved to go deep on something that developed. And if a dude was wide open, he generally would hit him like a Toure or somebody. But um, I'm really looking forward to seeing, see, because I think my, I don't think by any stretch of the imagination that Casey Thompson's got the starting job wrapped up at all. Not by any stretch. And I don't think Logan's going to challenge him. I think it's going to be Purdy. And if you were to ask me right now if I was going to pick my starting quarterback uh, going into fall after what I saw in the spring game, I know Thompson's numbers were overall better, and they really didn't let him loose. But what they let Purdy do, I like the way he threw the football a little bit better. thought he has had a better, better arm. Uh, I thought he was a little bit more mobile getting in and out of the pocket. That one play where he ran up on the legs of uh, Wyatt Lieber was uh, on his own read or something. It looked from TV because the play was coming at us. We were sitting in an end zone for the spring game, 
and the play was coming at us, and it looked like he was trying to cut back behind Leeward's block, and his foot just slipped on that crappy turf that they just replaced. So, um, but yeah, he showed all the kinds of mobility that you want for a guy that that needs to get out of trouble against some of these defensive lines. That you know, like you said, if Prohaska is not ready to go in the fall, it could be interesting trying to keep our quarterbacks healthy. At least both of them are mobile. I know Thompson's mobile. Purdy looked really, really quick. And of course, Smothers is definitely mobile. But um, yeah, if I, were to, if I were to put money down right now, I think it's an absolutely even quarterback competition going into the fall, barring injury to either one of those guys. So, Yeah, you know, Martinez, first year with a more, more established offensive line, the offensive line that Frost inherited, he was a lot more confident with his passing game, a lot more balanced. Sure. But as the offensive line regressed after year yeah. one, as well as the wide receivers regressed, all we had was Wandale for a few seasons and no one else uh, consistently. You know, you had his, his passing yeah. simultaneously also regressed. Um, yeah. But it's also a lack of weapons. I mean, if he still had Stanley and if he still had JD and if he still had – Riley's old line for another year, it would have been completely different. But it was he, you know, he joined the rebuild and it just didn't pan out as quick as he as he hoped. Um, yeah. I think Purdy can be one of those guys where he say he starts as a backup, if he were to play at some point in the season for whatever reason, he can be one of those guys that gets into a game, impresses, and holds the job. And yeah, I was I was impressed with him. I was impressed with his ability to be um, make good decisions. I know he was five for 10, so he was only 50% in passing, but they were so vanilla. They weren't doing hardly anything that I know they've been practicing. So, um, but Hey, that first pass that Thompson threw uh, looked like it could easily be an interception, but he put it where it needed to be for the receiver to go get it. And it got a a first down on the first play. So, you know, and then after that, (laughs) Palmer did go deep once, but Casey didn't throw it. And he said it in the uh, in the post game. He's like, "Oh, I would have been throwing into triple coverage. Of course, I'm not going to throw that ball." How many times do you recall watching Martinez, especially when he really didn't have a receiver um, other than Wandale? Did you see him tossing a ball up and just hoping, right, <laughs> in double coverage that it would be okay? And, and Many times it wasn't. It was either incomplete or it was picked. So, um, yeah, I liked the that decision. also happens when you don't have balance with your running game, though. No. So, you know, that, that we're trying to one, – one thing is, based on what I saw from Pittsburgh last season, as far as Whipple, Whipple's offense, Purdy mirrors the type of pocket cur- quarterback Whipple's looking for. Just judging – Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's games. I saw a lot of their games. He looked a lot like Pickett. He's big he and tall. He looked a lot like Pickett. It reminded yeah. me a lot of Kirk Cousins with Michigan State. Yeah. Just a, just a good Big Ten pure pocket passer. Yep. So, you know, we don't want to lose him. We'll see what happens with Thompson. Uh, Purdy has more, more eligibility. I can't imagine Purdy, you know, being a backup for two seasons. I can see him leaving, you know. He's going to have a lot of offers from other teams. Poaching him, so not yeah. now. I'm talking about next off season, you know. So, 
Yeah, give give him a, give him a year. I think he's here at least a year, if you, even if he doesn't start. And if Casey has any kinds of a decent year, he's probably going to the draft. So right. then you've got Purdy with three years of eligibility left, and if he wins the job, shoot, you can have a pretty good quarterback sitting there. And then you've got, um, I think Richard Torres has right. all the arm talent in the world. And then you've what got that. William Pop Watson coming in from was it Connecticut, Massachusetts? Yeah, it's like or Massachusetts or something like that. Yeah, that dude's got a live arm for a little skinny kid. Right. Um, so and he, and Whipple's been on him since he was in junior high. Right. So, what'd you see from Smothers? I see a lot of people uh, pretty much hoping, tweeting that you know because of his. Uh, I, I saw Carriker also uh, comment a few weeks ago uh, just due to. Smothers commitment, you know, yeah. wanting to be there. You know, they respect them, they want them to do well. But did did you really I didn't see much improvement at all passing wise? Nope. Um, neither did I. But you know, when you've been coached by Verdusco for two years and then you get coached by a guy who knows how to coach a quarterback and you're trying to unlearn everything you've already learned, um I don't know. I didn't. I saw based on what little bit I could tell when he was in the game, he looked very uncomfortable in the pocket, and who can blame him? The tackles were awful um, at stopping the pass rush. Uh, so yeah, it makes sense that his passing wasn't as good as it could have been. Uh, but he's not a he's not a pro style quarterback. No, um, and, no. and that's what Whipple wants. He wants a pro style, but he wants a dude that's mobile. At the same time, I mean, you well, know, he wasn't enough. afraid to run pick up, uh, run picket a little bit to keep people honest. And when you look back at at, at Whipple's offense, everybody's uh, pass happy, pass happy. He's going to be a pass first guy. It was fifty two percent passing versus forty eight last year at Pitt. Granted, the yardage was much higher for passing than it was for rushing, but he ran the ball about fifty percent of the time, right. just often enough. And they were capable of running the football at the end of a game when they needed to, to get rid of the clock, to, you know, to run the clock down. So, you know, I have, I have plenty of hope that this offense can, can uh, do enough to run the football, do enough to run the controlled passing game. And, you know, like we did back in the nineties, once you get so used to getting your butt kicked up front and running back coming down your throat, it's going to be real easy to hit somebody like Palmer or even Latrell Neville showed some ability to get deep and get open and and grab a ball. That was not really easy to, to catch, which (laughs) farmer should have lit his ass up. (laughs) He was right there to make the play and he should have lit his ass up because it was tackle football at that point. And he should have, but you know, they're told in the spring game, take care of your teammate. If you can take him down and not, you know, make him wish he wasn't born, please do that. But <laughs> so let's you know so let's assume let's assume the staff adds three more defensive linemen, right? Yeah, who who can make an impact, who will share snaps, they may not start, and that's okay. But they're they've had Big Ten size, they have experience. So let's say they had three. So they're fine defensive line, and they don't have injuries. Um, and let's say the defensive line just takes a step back as far as stopping the run in the Big Ten, uh, which isn't hard to believe. Looking at our <laughs> no. makeshift defensive line, 
and our uh, replenished secondary, really, and without right. Jojo Doman. So just say the defense takes a little step back, and that and that's okay. What do you what do you see from the offense that can help the defense? Like the changes in the offense, whether schematically the players they brought in, like what kind of offense will they run? I think the offense is going to have to help the defense next season. They're not going to be able to rely on the defense like they have as far as next season. Well, let's look at it from, from the standpoint of last year's offense. The offense had no problem making, making hay between the 20s, right? I mean, this team had no issue moving the football every single game, no matter who the defense was, including Ohio State. They put up, what, damn near 400 yards against Ohio State's defense. Uh, so the team had no problem moving the football. The problem was scoring. The problem was being able to hit your six foot nine tight end in the corner of the end zone on a fade pattern for crying out loud. Well, we know Casey Thompson can throw that corner route or that that uh, out route and put it exactly where it needs to be uh, so that his big tight end will get it. Because that was his first pu- his first pass was Borkature to a tight end in the spring game, which they've said a lot of these reads, a lot of these uh, pass plays now have the tight end as the first read and they don't have their four best tight ends in yet right now. They've been hurt. So I think the offense works. I think the offense will work. It's just a matter of, is it going to work in the big 10? Is it going to work well enough where we score? What hell, what would we have needed eight points a game more or less in all of our big 10 games this year? And we would have been, you know, (laughs) you know, we would have easily been in a bowl game. I mean, to me, I see this as a an offense based on some of the things I've been hearing on some podcasts and some people in the media that seem to be kind of in the know without really seeing anything. They're definitely committing to running the football to set up the pass. And if that doesn't work in any particular game, then they can start throwing some pass plays out there to help set up the run. Um, that's kind of what I see. I see not near as much because what we do, we ran the ball – 60, 62% of the time last year? A lot of it was QB runs, though. Yeah, a lot of it. We're not going to see that. I don't think we're going to see a lot of called QB runs. But I think we're going to see a lot of the run concepts that Frost likes to run. Uh, Some of that stuff from Oregon, which was, you know, basically a power spread um, with guys like Mariota and whatnot that were just mobile enough to keep a defense honest without having to call a third and two quarterback power every time you have a third and two, I think you're going to see, which is, let's be honest, Greg Austin's blocking style was not the style that's going to get you a third and two with a running back. It'll get you a third and two with a good quarterback, but not with a running back. At least that's the evidence we've seen for four years, right? Right. Uh, I think Riola, here's hoping that it's, doing what they say it's doing, which is moving moving the pile forward. And it certainly seemed to move that defensive line forward a lot in the second half of the spring game when uh, when they could actually have to tackle guys. There seemed to be a lot of room in the middle. So we'll see. I, I'd say we're going to see more of a ball control offense. I don't think you're going to see us trying to go explosive uh, constantly, like it seemed like last year when we had Torre, it seemed like that's what we wanted to do was try to get him two to three deep balls per game. I don't know if you're going to see Trey Palmer targeted for two or three deep balls a game unless 
unless the offensive line is really making hay for the running game, then yeah, maybe we will. Uh, but yeah, I see a lot more of that West Coast run out of some more spread concepts along with some more under center stuff. So I don't know if that answered your question, but that's kind of where I see it going. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping to see. Uh, if they, if they're just if they lock in too much on wide receivers, they start going deep too much. If they're just too, too predictable with all the players they brought in. I feel like they have to give them the ball, and they, they don't focus on time of possession and they punt too soon and they keep putting the defense on the field. I think we'll just have an inverse result. They'll fall behind a lot more. Uh, yeah. Time, yeah, field position will be a lot worse. Uh, even with a good punter, field position will be a lot worse. Like other teams are going to move the ball on this defense. They to begin the season. Uh, I think they'll take some. They'll take some time. I'm, I'm hoping, like you said, they they just focus more on time of possession. Uh, sure. Not call conservative plays, but try to try to run the ball a little more. At least uh, at least wide. Stop trying to go up the middle so much. Uh, and just try to incorporate more play action. Just shorter passing. Sure. And just just take time off the clock and just try to help your defense. Um, I just think if they just try to air it out a little too much, like it's the ACC, it, it's yeah. not going to work. It's not going to work out. They they will fall behind big. I think the defense is going to regress a little bit. Uh, at least to start, they might they might you know improve a lot more halfway through the season. Uh, but yeah, that's what I'm hoping to see, especially with the running backs that they have. They're more versatile. Yeah, we need to see. What I'd like to see in this offense versus what I think I'll see. I'm not sure what we'll see because nobody really knows yet what the what the cool whip offense is going to look like. Um, but what I'd like to see is absolutely clock management, ball control, get the ball in the second half and go on a seven-and-a-half-minute scoring drive to take a 10-point lead after you've led it by three points at halftime, right? That's what – you know, logically would make the most sense. Take away the team's will on the other side of the line of scrimmage because they're not getting a three and out today. It's just not happening. They're going to have to at least play, you know, six to ten downs every time they run out on field on, on defense. That's what I would truly like to see because, you know, if you're if you're keeping the ball for six to ten plays every time you go on offense, that means that field position is never going to be in your opponent's favor. So... Play the field position game. Make sure that your punter can drill those 63 yarders when he's got the wind like he did in the first punt in the spring game and then try not to shank a 15-yarder off the side of his foot in the second quarter, you know. Um, And obviously, once Bleak Road gets here and uh, we hopefully have a field goal kicker that's not going to become a head case, um, that'll make a big difference too because, you know, it's been pointed out on podcasts like the Go Big Red cast and whatnot. Nebraska gave up 46 non-conventional points last year. You take those points away and we're we're in a bowl game. We're probably sitting at six or seven wins minimum if you take those points away. So it wasn't the defense that necessarily let down the team and no. it necessarily wasn't quote unquote the offense. Hell, we outscored everybody except when it really mattered. I mean, we blew people out of the water when we won. And we barely lost when we lost, as we saw. So give me some more ball control. Give me the ability to score once you get into the red zone. Um, And do that by not doing that within the first three minutes after you get the football. Take five to seven minutes to do it. And, yeah, I think we're going to like it a whole lot better. I think Whipple's seen everything. And he knows 
work best with with what everybody else is doing, especially in the Big Ten. I think he he's seen it at Pitt. You know, he's seen what some of those teams in the ACC like to play that physical football. You know, so. his Pitt team played like a Big Ten team last season. I don't know about previous years, but last season. So that uh, they didn't have a good offensive line, by the way. The offensive line was terrible. Constant yeah. pressures. And they were still pretty effective offensively, but their defense was really good. Um, they would have beaten mm-hmm. Michigan State easily if they had Pickett. Um, they they had a really good team. It was the Big Ten-like team. So I, I think he'll be, he'll be all right. And, and their weather is terrible. I've been to Pittsburgh. I've been to Pittsburgh. There's a lot of wind in Pittsburgh. Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> yeah. I, I tell you what, one of the worst driving experiences I've ever had <laughs> as a as a truck driver, Gio, was was uh Pittsburgh. It was about <clears throat> excuse me, about a year and a half ago. I was coming down of all places from Michigan because they I was it was fourth going into fourth of July weekend last year, as a matter of fact. So it was less than a year ago. And uh, I had just delivered a center pivot or something up in Michigan. They were sending me to this place to pick up a steel coil that was going to go back to Valley, Nebraska, so I could go home for the weekend. Well, they didn't know that the place was closing on Thursday night, and they weren't going to be open on Friday for me to reload. So they were, like, scrambling, and they found me a place to reload on a Saturday in Pittsburgh right by the river in this place. I called them. They're like, yeah, if you come down this way and come through here and this, that way, you can park right in our lot overnight and we'll load you in the morning. Holy cow. By the time I got down there, I had about 45 minutes left on my day that I could legally drive and I couldn't freaking find this place. It was dark. I was literally right next to the river. You had to find this access road and take this really funky way to get to this access road. I've only said, screw it. I put a (laughs) <laughs> put a rest area into my GPS closest rest area. And I drove like 20 minutes out of town. And, uh, by the time I pulled my brake and put myself into uh, off duty or sleeper mode on my e-log, I had literally two minutes left on my 14 hour day <laughs> before I'd have been in violation. So yeah, Pittsburgh sucks and the weather's no damn fun. I had to tarp that thing indoors <laughs> because it was too windy coming off the river. So yeah, I mean, they, it's a nice looking city, but it's just their weather's terrible. Oh, it's crap hole. If you ever go downtown, dude, you don't want to be downtown anytime after the sun's down. It's an absolute crap hole. And this place was like a mile and a half from downtown. So it's <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty area once you get out of uh Pittsburgh yeah. proper. It is really oh. pretty, but anyway. Yeah, I've been to this, this couple Steelers games. I applied to Pittsburgh a long time ago. <laughs> It's oh yeah, school. it's a good school. Yeah, it's a good school. But I ended up choosing Michigan, but Michigan—that was for the medical program, right? For the pharmaceutical. Is that why you went there? I just went there for undergrad. Okay. For undergrad, yeah, but Pitt, Pitt's got a good medical. They have good. They're good sciences. It's a good school. Cool. But um. Cool deal. Yeah, you know, outside of defensive line, are there any other question marks for the team at this point? Uh, we we just came off of a three and nine season. I think the entire 2022 season is going to be a question of mark until we hit the fleet field in, in Dublin, then we'll kind of have an idea of what's going on. But uh, this is talking season um, wide receiver, I guess. I mean, we know we've got a lot of dudes, but who do you think those first three are that are going to run out uh, as starters? What do you think? God, I was hoping bits. <laughs> yeah, me too. So without him, it's tough. Um, 
we're, we'll have well Palmer looks like they're keying on him, but um, let's see. I was going to ask about a couple other guys actually. I th- I think you're probably going to see um, Palmer. Alante Brown's been talked about Brown? a lot. I think Brown's going to start um, probably outside. I think I don't remember if Palmer's going to play the slot or if he's going to play outside. But I think it's probably going to be Manning, Palmer, you have and to Brown. Manning. Yep, Manning's so. been moved back outside since Bet le- Bet's left because they were playing him inside too. And Mickey Joseph has challenged his wide receivers to catch ten thousand passes between now and the start of fall camp with the quarterbacks. So. Yeah, it's uh, gonna be a lot of sore hands. Manning and Alante Brown, but uh, we'll we'll see if Manning flourishes in this offense because last season he just had too many games where he just didn't do enough. You know, he just was not existent. Yeah. Had a catch or two, just didn't do enough. You know, for all the hype, just didn't. He was fine, but he didn't. He didn't do a whole lot. Yeah, he didn't make well, an impact like Torrey, that's for sure. So, well. You know, with a guy like Mickey in the wide receiver room holding dudes to a way different standard than they've ever been held to before. And it seems like he's flourishing because he was quiet. You'd never hear shit from Shiola from Omar at all. He never talked, but now he's talking to the media. Uh, he seems to have gotten a little bit of some personality going to him. I think, I think Mickey's bringing things out of dudes that they haven't had before. I think, you know what? Um, maybe Oliver Martin's one of those starters because he's one of those guys that's really responded well to Mickey and he's fast. He's probably every bit as fast as Trey Palmer. So how cool would that be? Palmer on one side, Martin on the other, and somebody like Omar Manning in the slot or Elante Brown. (laughs) Who the hell would the team, right? (laughs) Garcia Castaneda, he hasn't arrived yet, but he, he should be able to make an impact at least, at least in the short, in short routes. Possession type receiver. <laughs> so I'm going to do this. I just got a message. I'd sent a message on on Twitter to the Cuzcast, to their Cuzcast account. And I know Justin is the one that runs it. I said, hey, going to send you guys an invite to stream or jump in if you want. We're just going to hang out and talk Husker stuff or whatever. <laughs> he just responded, I just got this message and I'm way too drunk now. <laughs> Imagine that, Justin, too drunk to get on a stream. Since when has that ever stopped him, right? You ever heard their show? <laughs> It's usually a half tank once it starts. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, well, yeah, we, I, we I haven't know. seen uh, Garcia Castaneda. I believe he's he's arriving yeah. this fall or the, uh, later in the summer. But I, I think, think he, he's already here. He's just been hurt. Okay, I he's think he'll here. be effective in the hurt. slot. I think he'll be effective just short routes, just possession, just moving the chains, first downs, short first downs. He reminds me a lot of uh, Jordan Westerkamp. Body type, okay. speed, hands. If you watch some of his highlights, he reminds me a lot of Jordan Westerkamp, a possession type receiver who's going to get you that third and eight catch that you need over the middle. Right. That's why I think he could. He'll help a lot. I'm not sure about Manning in the slot though. I'd have to have seen more from him last season to put him in the slot. I keep him on the outside until he can show more. He just went missing too many games, way too many games. Just so. I just didn't see the separation enough week to week. I would I wouldn't put him in the slot, not right now. I think they have better options there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Give me, yeah, I mean, you just you can't have one or two catches in multiple games. Like, it just didn't do enough. So, 
Yeah. I mean, Mickey says he wants to find nine guys that he can run out there at any given time in any given game and know that they're going to get the job done. Um, and if I were to pick those top nine right now, I would say, you know, Brown, uh, Palmer, I was hoping bets as well. Um, but obviously we still don't know quote unquote his fate yet. I mean, apparently the door is still somewhat open, but anyway, uh, Alante Brown, Trey Palmer, Omar Manning, Oliver Martin, uh, Garcia Castaneda, when he's healthy, should be should be available. I think Leewer's good for a third down catch or two every game when you really right. need it. Um, Latrell Neville, I thought he looked the part. That's a big dude too, 6'2", 6'3", 205, 210. Uh, physical kid, it's not afraid to go up and get the ball. Um, who else? Brody Belt, I guess. <laughs> They've been talking about him a lot too. <laughs> And, uh, you know, so that's eight, at least that I can think of off the top of my head. Maybe a Sean Hardy, uh, wakes up and, and pulls his head out. I don't know. Uh, but I doubt we're going to go into the fall season with, uh, 15 dudes sitting on the roster with scholarships. I really don't, I don't think there's any way we do. I think we go in with maybe 11 guys that have scholars that are in the wide receiver room. Right. I think they have more intermediate threats than deep threats, though. But uh, I was going to ask, uh, what do you think about Ernest Hausman? Would you redshirt him? He looked good. Yeah, his name was mentioned a lot during the spring game, for sure. Um, he did look good, looked speedy, um, rec- looked like he recognized plays very quickly. Right. Granted. Again, you got to balance that with the idea that the offense was extremely vanilla. Uh, the defense generally knew what they were probably going to do. <laughs> they they really didn't have to guess too much because there wasn't a whole lot of the playbook that was open. But when it came to getting in and filling and making sure that he could make the touch if he needed to or the tackle, he was there. Uh, would you redshirt him? Good no. God, we've got. Would, do we have? He was one of my top players from the class. I think I had him too. He yeah. looked he looked like he had in his high school film. Like he the speed translated as far as this level. Yeah. He looks like he can play. He can play right now. He can contribute now. Whether they want to use him on special teams at times or just depth. He, yeah. He looks he looks like he can he'll play at an accelerated pace. Here's what I would say is likely happens with Houseman. I think maybe he he probably makes the travel roster to go to Dublin, right? I think he makes that roster. He gets to go whether he plays at all or not. I think they're going to probably play him if we get out to big leads against what is it? South Dakota and um, Georgia Southern or whoever it is. The two patsies that we play after we play Northwestern. I think we get out to big leads with those. He's going to play in those two games and then they're going to get a good idea of whether or not he can play in just four or if they'll just, not bother red shirting him and let him play. That's kind of what I think will happen. But I, I agree with you. It looks like he can play. Uh, he's made. He's definitely the speed translated. Yeah. No doubt about it. Uh, it Just the aggression. I think, I think he needs another 10 pounds, right. 10, 15 pounds to play as a starting inside linebacker in the, in the Big Ten. But he's got the frame. He has the frame. He could probably put on 20 or 30 and move out to outside. Or maybe he's got the athleticism to play that JoJo role in a couple years. Right. Now, there you go. We're talking speed, and he's got that play recognition. I mean, 
yeah, I out of everybody in the in the 2022 class uh, that were that came out of Nebraska, I thought Hausman was the clear cut, my favorite guy. You know, I think he's going to be a captain before it's all said and done. I think he's going to be the heart and soul of that defense in probably two to three years, in my mind. So, regardless of who's here as coach, God, I hope we don't go through that crap again. But um, right. yeah, Hausman looked good. I thought. I thought everybody at that linebacker spot looked good. Obviously, we don't really need to say much about Nelson and Tanner. Both of those guys looked really, really quick, twitchy, if you will, off the ball. Nelson's even bigger, but it looks like he's quicker. Uh, and he looked a little more disciplined. He didn't look like he was overrunning any plays at all. Um, man, he's got that Wistrom attitude. I sure hope he gets that Wistrom ability. You know what I mean? So, Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. The biggest question, we always come back to it, right, Gio? It's that defensive line. That's where it's all going to start when it comes to this defense. I think we got plenty of dudes around that line that can make plays. Do we have enough guys up front that can hold up throughout the entirety of a Big Ten season and do just enough to clear the path for linebackers to make play after play on the running backs, especially when we get to Wisconsin and Iowa week? Um, that's when we need those big hole fillers. Right. You know, you need two or three Ty Robinsons that can rotate in and out of the game and know that you're going to get the same performance from all of them. Um, so hopefully they find those dudes in the portal. It's going to be hard to find now. Well, maybe no, not, though. Everybody's shedding dudes in spring. A lot of players are uh, opting out, so to speak, after their spring game. So there, there's yeah. definitely options. Sure. I guess I guess players use the spring game now to just have some extra film. They just hit the transfer portal, you know, it's like a post spring ball transfer season. It's pretty crazy, but uh, it's ending. It's May 1st though. The deadline's May 1st though. So I think I'm sure they'll add a few. Uh, We'll see if they're big 10 caliber, but at this point they just need bodies, big bodies to stop the run. Not much of a pass rush. Just, just run stuffers. Uh, Do you think they'll, so in the, the last episode, the one I was a part of, I should say, uh, you guys said they were hinting at running uh, a 4-3 instead of a 3-4 with two defensive tackles. Do you think they'll continue right. with that now that they're short defensive linemen? Well, the the 3-4 the is really difficult to run if you don't have – at least two dudes that can play that nose tackle position that are just that big 310, 320 pound range and are extremely athletic and could eat up blocks. I think you've got one in Ty Robinson. You know, you've got one in that guy Uh, behind him. I don't know. I think maybe you can disguise a little bit more of your shortcomings as a defense by moving into more of the even front because then you can put a guy like Huttmacher next to Robinson as a defensive tackle. And I think those two guys would be dynamic next to each other if, as Dawson said, Huttmacher can get that brute strength and actually use it to move dudes across from him. And then, you know, Tanner and Nelson on either side or O'Shawn Mathis if he gets here. That's the really big question. So (laughs) who doesn't show up on the field as a starter when Mathis shows up in camp? Or does Mathis just come in as his third down specialist? You know, I mean, that's that's a, another 
piece of the pie that uh, poor Dawson and Schnander have to work out. But if there's anybody I'm confident in that can take an adaptive defense to his personnel, it's Schnander. He did it as well as anybody did last year. No ifs, ands, or buts about that. And his defense has only done nothing but improve the four years he's been here. So I'm confident he can find pieces and make them work. But I have a feeling with Casey Rogers gone, with Tate Wildeman gone, you're probably going to see a lot more even front. Even though it'll look like a 3-4, probably have three dudes with their hand in the dirt and one guy standing up, but it's more or less going to be a 4-3, I think. How about you? What do you think? I think they... Three fours hasn't worked, in my opinion. Not that it can't work. Not, uh, I believe Wisconsin runs one effectively, mm-hmm. but um, it just hasn't worked. It always just seemed like they they're relying on excess linebackers. The pressure is always a little. It seems like it's just it's just late. It it it, it gets there just too late because it's coming from so far back. I just think right. as far as applying pressure, you need to go back to four down linemen where they have them or not. Um. I just see that too much. The pressure is more so from the outside. And right. uh, a lot of times it just doesn't get there in time. The ball's already released. So I, I'd like to see more uh, pressure up front. And uh, you see more sacks. You see more pressure on the quarterbacks. Yeah, um, I agree. And, they, and they, they run. The run defense hasn't been as good under a 3-4. Uh, as far up the middle. Up the middle for Nebraska. Out wide, it's been great. The linebackers been able to get there, good speed, good instincts. But up the middle, Nebraska's struggled for too many years now. You can just we just run directly right at them. So I think you need to change the scheme, in my opinion. Yeah. They'd, well, just you know, basic Iowa. runs up the middle, just going for excess yards. Sure. It's too often. Sure. You have to change something. <laughs> so I would, I would I would focus on just having that was always that was always the concern back in the old big eight when Nebraska was running a five, two, which is basically a, a three, four with two stand up linebackers on the ends of the line. Uh, back then that's what Nebraska used to run. And then we get into a bowl game and we get against these one back offenses with a quarterback half the time lining up in the shotgun. And we didn't have enough speed on the field to deal with those offenses. So when, when Nebraska started working toward doing the four, three, um, Charlie McBride and Osborne went to Florida State and hung out with Barry, uh, Bobby Bowden for a couple of days and said, what the heck is it you guys are doing on defense? And God bless them. They showed them what they were doing and what Nebraska virtually ended up doing at the time. Might not work today because nobody plays football in a, in a uh, phone booth, so to speak, as they say. It, it's mostly spread offenses these days with the exception of like Iowa and uh, Wisconsin, at least in the Big Ten. But uh, what they essentially did then was they took what used to be defensive ends in an old 5-2, and they just moved them inside and made them two defensive tackles. And then they brought outside linebackers, bulked them up by about 10, 15 pounds, and made them rush ends. They weren't considered defensive ends. They were considered rush ends. Their whole point was to meet at the quarterback, especially on third down. Uh, So, yeah, I think you could see an iteration of that this year. I think you're right. I think... You could stop the run with a little bit more beef in the middle of the line. Like, for example, if Huttmacher can hold his own, 
and make sure that an offensive lineman doesn't move him any direction. And Ty Robinson, we know right. he can do that. Then, yeah, maybe Braylon Allen's not going to get that 200-yard dang game against us this year like every Wisconsin running back has done since Frost has been here. Um, and to be fair, Iowa only was good at running the football toward the end of that game because Damian Daniels was out with an injury. So they basically wore down the number two dudes that didn't have a lot of time in at that point. Uh, so I think a three, four does work to stop the run. You just have to have the right personnel. And I'm not sure if just Ty Robinson, Colton feast may be the right guy. Cause that is a freaking mountain. That dude is huge, but he was so tired after two or three plays that he was running off the field. So um, I just would like to see an emphasis where the pressure isn't coming from outside. Cause that's what we've had. We've had a lot of pressure coming from the outside linebackers. It's helped against the run on the outside, but it just hasn't helped as far as pressuring the quarterback and getting sacks. Right. So I'd like to see right. just more of a focal point, just plugging the gaps in the center on the line and then just bringing pressure out, pressure from there. I think it would be more effective against the run, and they would be able to pressure the quarterback a lot more effectively. Because those, well, those outside yeah. pressures as far as getting the quarterback, especially on third and longs, on non – non-predictable run plays it's just too late you know by the time they're almost there the ball is already released it's hurt the team as far as getting off the field that's why they struggle to get off the field at times some games they can't get off the field in third down to give up long drives and i think that's the key issue gotta switch it up well back in the day when nebraska was so good at pressuring the quarterback uh back in the 90s you had two rush ends that could get the quarterback at third down. They didn't right. have to bring a fifth rusher. You could get that pressure from outside. And Christian and Jason Peter were so good at blowing up the inside of the line that sometimes you got there with those guys too. And occasionally they'd bring a blitz. But when they did, it was usually somebody on the line was also dropping back a little bit and it would confuse the quarterback, which in essence was what the 3-4 was kind of designed to do. It looked like a three-man front, but there was always four dudes one was just standing up, and you didn't know which one was rushing the passer. Uh, but like you said, it's been way too many people from the outside have come in to try to rush um, more. And more than often, at least since Riley's been here and Frost, when we tried to bring pressure up the middle with some of the middle backers, it seemed like we they'd get caught up. In, in, in the mass of humanity and they couldn't get through. So finding those dudes that can penetrate in the middle as well as stop the run and not overrun a running play like a draw would be huge. Um, but I think most of your pressure is really going to need to come from that rush in slash defensive uh, outside linebacker spot, which is, you know, the specialty of somebody like an ocean yeah. and, and even, even uh, Garrett Nelson at this point. That's so, what they're trying to sign Mathis for. We need the next yep. Randy Gregory. <laughs> yep. Yep. Laughing that for too many years. No doubt that dude was special. No doubt about it. Well, bud, I think we've beat this horse half to death tonight. Um, hour and a half almost. We thought Ooh. we'd be lucky to get to a half hour, right? So <laughs> yeah. we, did, we did like 10 minutes of baseball and then it's been nothing but football. So <laughs> but that's kind of... Kind of that's that's the uh, sport that pays the bills. So um, anyway, Geo, dude, this was fun. Thanks for doing this with me tonight, and I will certainly um, work on 
getting this edited a little bit, put the put the video up as is, and then uh, maybe add a little bit of a video or something at the beginning and the end, and then throughout the podcast too. So thanks, man. This was a All lot right. of fun. Sounds good. Thanks. Have a good All one. right. You too. Thanks for having me.